0: a registered investment advisor firm serving clients throughout the United States. The clarity for your path forward starts now. Here is KPP Chief Executive Officer, Financial Advisor Justin
1: Klein. Good afternoon, fellow investors, and welcome back to Invest Talk. This is our Wednesday, November 16th, 2022 edition. And guess what? Thanksgiving is just eight days away, and you know the year flies by, even when it's a challenging year. And it's difficult to predict how the new year will go, uh, but it's never too early to start preparing uh, to get your portfolio optimized. And that means you have work to do, and that's what we are to help. We here to help you do is to uh, put the put the lessons that we teach uh, each and every day uh, to work in your investment decision process and your money decision process. And so if you feel like you need help, you've come to the right place. We are here to help. So I'm Justin Klein and I'm here today on this radio show and and podcast to help you make the most of your portfolio strategies and your decisions. And I look forward to this hour answering your finance and investment questions you can reach out right now during our live stream program from four to five Pacific time or 24 hours a day, seven days a week at 888 chart Either one works. So it's up to you uh, whether you're live or after hours. Now, my focus point looks into the story behind this headline. The Fed reports household debt soared at the fastest pace in 15 years. Now, the biggest contributor to the debt loads are mortgage balances, which rose $1 trillion from about $11.6 trillion, and credit card debt climbed nearly a trillion to $930 billion. So we're going to look at that story, uh, as well as a few others that I have on the docket for you. Uh, We also have some voice bank questions ready to play for you, and I hope uh, you get to a few other voice bank calls uh, like selling losses in a Roth IRA and VTIVX, which is the Vanguard Retirement 2045 Fund. And we're going to look at uh, that call. So I've got this all planned for this episode of Invest Talk. And of course, I'll take your calls live on 888 99 chart. Now let's take a look at the market today. We had a Pretty hefty down day. The NASDAQ closed down about 1.5%. The S&P down 0.8%. The Dow down uh, slightly 0.12%. You had bad earnings out of, or disappointing earnings at least, out of Target. So that was, <clears throat> that was an indicator of soft demand from the consumer. But the if you look at the other data that came out today, uh, one would be the the retail sales that actually beat that was a a nice acceleration uh in the uh in spending from kind of a flat oct uh september to a a pretty strong uh november and so or sorry october excuse me and that was showing that the the consumer is relatively strong now you had Flatness in the consumer, not consumer, the industrial production number that was flat month over month. So that showed that the industrial part of the economy uh, is is kind of install speed. That's um, actually down 0.1 percent uh, month over month. You had business inventories up, but not as much as it was in in uh, in, uh, in August. You had export prices and import prices decelerating dramatically. So year over year, import prices went from 6% all the way to, down to four and a quarter. And export prices went from 9.24 in the month of September to 6.87 in the month of October. So it just shows you that uh, that deflationary force or inflation is, is moderating, uh, as we've been kind of saying. So not a shock there uh, by any means and something that the market is looking uh, forward to. Uh, when it comes to fed policy because all of this these data points the fed's looking at and remember we have a meeting in december so supposed to be 50 basis point hike in february we have uh, expected 25 or another 50 basis point hike and uh, overall this was some economic data that actually pushed interest rates down you get the 10 year down to 3.69 call 3.7 from 4.25 so over a 50 basis point drop in the 10 year in just a span of call it a month, four weeks. And that's a pretty big drop. Mortgage rates down to about six and a half now uh, from uh, over seven, just a few weeks ago. So that's certainly going to give some tailwinds to asset prices in general, whether that's real estate or, or stocks. And that's what you're, you're kind of seeing overall. I do expect a, a choppy period. We have option X on Friday. so. You know, having choppiness through the end of the week should not surprise you. And then we'll get uh, more of a resumption to probably a trend uh, next week and we get into holiday season. Remember, next week is the Thanksgiving shorting, shortened week, and that likely means low volume, and low volume typically means higher prices. So that's kind of what we're expecting, uh, probably at least for the next uh, few weeks uh, down day, but just in the context of a consolidation period. Now, let's head over to our first voice bank question now.
0: Good morning, Stephen Justin. This is Nick from Iowa calling in to ask you about the Geo Group Inc., G-E-O. Want wanted to know what you guys thought of this company, where you think a good buy point would be. I know it's kind of crawled up here a little bit these last week or so. i been kind of on my watch this for the past oh, six months or so and watch it come down but just wanting to know where you guys think a good buy point would be and what you thought of the company. Thanks for all you do, and be listening on the podcast.
1: All right, this is Geo Group, and this is one of the largest REIT owners of prisons. And it had been hit pretty dramatically, especially as the rising expectation of a Biden administration would put some pressure on their business, uh, maybe eliminating the private prison industry. There's a lot of push for that, especially on the left. And with the Biden administration that was starting to be priced in. But as we go along, we're nearly two years into the Biden administration and you haven't seen a big push for that. And so now you're getting an uptrend. And so uh, you're not getting a dividend anymore. They did eliminate the dividend, which uh, is atypical for a REIT, uh, but they're using this lack of dividend to pay off some debt uh their debt has gone from three billion dollars in march of this year all the way down to two billion so they've used a ton of their cash flow from their leases uh to pay down some debt uh they also issued a few shares as well so that's not good for the shareholder but uh you know this is more of a play on what you think is going to happen with the private prison industry if you think there's going to be continued pressure on Ending that practice of paying companies like GeoGroup and uh, what's the other one? CXW, CoreCivic, those are kind of two big public ones. Then I think this is a good place to be if you believe that that is, that sentiment is waning. Maybe you think there's going to be a Republican administration in two years and that over these next two years, the Biden administration is going to do a whole lot on private prisons. If that's your stance, this is. This is a good buy but it's certainly high risk still has a lot of debt and this is one example of political risk that you have to account for now we're heading into a break and i welcome your finance and investment questions no question is too simple or too complex you set the agenda so give the best talk a call at 888-99-CHART
2: Why do listener questions make Invest Talk better? Which of these would you recommend? Because each caller presents fresh questions in their voice. I was curious if you still think aluminum has a ways to go
0: from here. When do I know the right time to take?
1: Should I be looking for an exit? Should I be holding here?
2: And listeners instinctively realize that Invest Talk uniquely offers a welcome dose of investing satisfaction.
0: I think you have a terrific show, and I've learned a whole lot. Hey, guys, love your show. Uh, I've been
1: listening for several years now, and I've learned a lot.
2: Justin Klein and Steve Peasley understand what investors need and want.
1: I would look at it from a tax perspective. If there's no tax implications move on, find better ways to use that money. I'm going with the odds. I think a half position now would at least get you in it and get you watching it so you won't lose track of it.
2: Don't forget to call Invest Talk. 888-99-CHART. Each day, Invest Talk listeners submit their finance and investment questions via phone or email. Would you like your question to be put near the top of the list? Just take a minute or two to leave a review and rating for InvestTalk at iTunes, and be sure to include a brief question with your iTunes review comments. And of course, your calls are always welcome 24 seven. Don't forget to call InvestTalk, 888-99-CHART. Hi, Stephen Justin,
1: love the show. I have a question about selling losses in a Roth IRA. So I started investing in about 2020, and in 2021, I contributed to my Roth IRA, but I bought some story stocks. And these stocks are down by quite a lot these days. So I was thinking, is it a good idea to sell your losses in a Roth IRA and just use whatever you have left to reinvest into better stocks? I am hesitant to do this because there's no tax advantage for selling in a Roth IRA as we would with tax loss harvesting in a brokerage. So I'm not sure if I should just hold or just sell, take the loss and sell now. I'm 31 years old, so I have a long time to wait to access all my funds from the Roth IRA, so I don't mind waiting, but it seems like the money is down in the drain at this point. But let me know what you guys think. Thank you so much. Have a great day. All right. Well, I understand your retinence. Retinence? Ret- retin- retin- what word am I looking for? Resident. I don't know what word I'm looking for my your're hesitant there we go your're hesitant to sell a a loss in a roth ira uh, but you know that's just optics and yes there's no tax advantage to it um, but you have to focus on what's going to work growth of the portfolio longer term and if you're stuck in story stocks that you bought at a terrible time that's just a learning lesson and sure, you're not going to get a tax write-off, but you can redeploy that capital into better companies that are going to grow better long-term. So you have to assess the long-term prospects of the business. And I know you could hang on the story and say, well, they're going to grow. They're going to do great over the next five or 10 years. But you know, odds are the vast majority of the story stocks, the growth stocks, nine out of 10 of them are either going to go bankrupt or they're going to continue to just grind lower in value over the long term, or they're going to get bought out at much lower valuations than you're seeing today. So very few of them are going to be your Amazons and your Googles and your Facebooks. It's those are those are the rarities. And so you have to. Look at their track record over the pandemic and say, do they make money? Uh, Are they just relying on the story? Do they have any semblance of the ability to produce cash flow with their business anytime soon? And if they don't, then you just need to move on. And on top of that, you need to just have a structure of your portfolio that is leaning on real-world businesses. Talked about investing in molecules over bites. I think that is a trend for your portfolio you need to stick with and you transition to. Maybe don't do it immediately, but over time. And when you get counter trend rallies in growth stocks over value, you use that to sell into because that's a trend that's more of a counter trend rally than something long term. Talked about that it is a long term trend of value over growth. We're just in the early stages of this. So I know that you are, I, I get the, the, the mind games that people make. And people very often, whether that's a Roth IRA, or it's a, a, an investment property they own, or whatever it is, they, use, they put the tax consequences or lack thereof as their top priority. Because oh, everyone wants to avoid taxes. But that should never be your number one reason for buying or holding a particular position. It's maybe second, third, or fourth, but it should never be the number one reason. Number one should be, am I properly allocated based on my goals, risk tolerance levels, and the current market conditions? And once you figure that out, then you can use the tax implications as a Strategy to uh, move towards uh, that allocation. Now we're moving into a break, and I'm ready to answer your questions now at 99 chart. One of the most
2: rewarding things I do each weekday is host the Invest Talk podcast. I truly enjoy helping investors, and I know that every question counts, and every answer I provide will be unbiased. You, the caller, get to chart the course for each Invest Talk podcast. Call with your questions anytime, day or night, 888-99-CHART. We
1: we'll talk to Dave in Ohio looking at AQN, which is Algonquin Power and Utility Corp. This is a utility, as you would expect, but it's down big. Why is that, Dave? That's why I was going
2: to, that's what I was calling to ask you. I don't miss earnings, but it just keeps on falling, and it pays a nice dividend. Is the dividend safe? Is it something maybe me? Uh, I should dip my feet in. Just like to get your opinion.
1: Uh, let's see. Why did it plummet? Because this is odd, especially for a utility company. Uh, typically, they're relatively stable, and the fact that this is down fifty percent, fifty-two percent from its fifty-two week high, and in the span of Four days, it's down from 11:50 all the way to 7:68. Uh, let's see.
2: All I could find on it is that uh, it, it's uh, they just missed its earnings, pretty bad. But I don't see anything else bad about it.
1: Hmm. Looks like they're making an acquisition. That could be a reason. Maybe they're paying too much. I I don't know here. Let me look at the leverage on their balance. Yeah, they have a lot of debt on their balance sheet. So. Their free cash flow is now strongly negative. Uh, Let's see. I don't, I I really got it. I really have to dig into this because it is kind of odd that it's down so much. Earnings were down 27% year over year. It, It operates, oh, it's a Canadian company operating a portfolio of renewable power generation facilities. So that's probably the issue here. They have a lot of debt. And their return on assets, return on equity is very, very low. Their cash dividend payout ratio is negative 56%. Their payout ratio is 176%. Uh, The current dividend yield is 9%, but clearly that's going to be cut. And that's what the market's probably pricing in here is a a dividend cut. Uh, Maybe management hinted at that in their uh, conference call. I'd have to to dig into that. Uh, But this isn't something I would touch, mainly because of that payout ratio and the fact that they're Profitability metrics longer term have been very weak and a lot of the renewable energy projects are very, very low return. And so I would not be chasing this dividend yield. Uh, I would let the dust settle. I figure out what is it about the, the company that is turning everybody off to it and see if that's something that's short term or long term. I'm guessing it's long-term because of that debt load because of the low profitability uh that it has because of the poor payout ratio i think the market's pricing in that 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 dividend dividend is going away that's what it looks like to me thanks for the call now my focus point is in regards to government debt not government debt household debt it soared to the at the fastest pace in 15 years due to usage of credit card surging, as well as mortgage balances going up dramatically. Now, I I always like, this is a good lesson on headlines. When you see percentage change quoted as something that should catch the attention, always take that in context. Because if something goes from one to two, it's doubled, right? If you have a million people who have a loan and last month, one person was in default and the next month, two people are in default, it would say defaults doubled. But if you had a million people and 100,000 people were in default last month, and now it's hundred and 2000 that's only a two percent increase but 2,000 more people are in default. So always understand base effects when you're quoting growth. Now total debt jumped to 351 billion in the third quarter, the largest nominal quarterly increase since 2007. so that's nominal. but as prices go up in the economy of inflation that's natural. So it's up to 16.5 trillion increase about 2.2% from the previous quarter and up 8.3% from a year ago. So that's another thing is, are you talking about nominal? Are you talking about inflation adjusted, et cetera? Now that jump in total debt was an increase from the second quarter, which is 310 billion. So went from 310 billion increase to $351 billion increase, $1 trillion of this what came from mortgage balance going up and obviously that's higher interest rates and higher home prices so when people are taking out loans it's higher dollar amount and the interest accruing on that debt is also higher now credit card debt climbed 930 billion up 15 percent from the same period in 2021 the largest annual jump in more than 20 years but once again This isn't record high because a lot of people paid down their debt, their credit card debt during the pandemic because they got a lot of money in their pocket. And so a 15% increase sounds like a lot, but it's from a relatively low base. The delinquency rates are rising, but they remain well below historical standards. So you'll see that a lot, delinquency rates on car loans, on mortgages, blah, 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 they're up. You know, this percentage, it's from a very low base. So it's not anything right now that is, is worrisome. But, and foreclosures remain low, even as the pandemic related moratoriums expire on, uh, on student loans and, 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 and uh, automobiles, so, and mortgages. So that's what's happening in the consumer debt market. Now, on the next talk. the story behind this question. What can we learn from anticipated soft holiday sales? That story tomorrow, but for now, I'm Justin Klein. I'm ready to take your questions live at 888-99-CHART. At this point, I think almost everyone has heard how generative AI
2: Is your portfolio balanced? Is it optimized? Your financial future depends on the answers to those questions. Justin Klein is here now and ready to talk with you. Call InvestTalk, 888-99-CHART. Hi guys, I have a question regarding IRA. So I currently have a Vanguard Target Retirement 2045. What are your thoughts on, I don't know if the correct term is rolling it over, but for lack of a better term, rolling it over to a TD Ameritrade traditional IRA. I do not participate in an employer-sponsored 401 K. The traditional IRA, I'm leaning toward that for the reason that I can contribute, I believe, 6000 and lower my taxable income. My current IRA, not doing a whole lot, I'm not active with it, just wanted your opinions. Thank you.
1: I think that's a smart idea. Uh, when you roll that uh, over into TD, into an IRA, you're able to invest in anything. Uh, I, that, that Vanguard targeted fund, low fee, but not a great setup uh, from an investment perspectives. Just indexing, leaning on the growth side of the market, uh, not going to be a great place to be for this decade. So uh, rolling that into the IRA, contributing to $6,000 a year, I would encourage you to do that. And... But it depends on your strategy. You've got to make sure that strategy, what you do invest it in, uh, makes sense, is leaning on the value side. Okay. Thanks for the call. Now let's keep things moving and play another caller question. now. Hi, my name is Lauren, and I'm from North Carolina. And I started listening to your podcast a couple of years ago now, and I absolutely love it. I knew I needed to get more into investing, and you guys have helped me make some responsible, yet really great investments. I have a question about Berkshire Hathaway B shares, so BRKB. My dad bought me um, about 200 shares at $58 when I was a kid, and I haven't touched them since. However, I've been looking at them and trying to decide if I should sell any or just let it keep growing. So I wanted to know what your opinion was. look forward to listening to your response on the podcast. Thanks. All right, Berkshire B shares. Can't really go wrong with Berkshire B. Their long-term allocation decisions tend to be very good. They have a lot of solid, call them salt-of-the-earth businesses, right, from GEICO. obviously their their largest segment. But they have Reinsurance Group. They have Berkshire Hathaway Home Services, so they have some exposure on the real estate side. But they also own Burlington Northern Railroad, uh, as well as utilities and energy distributors, These are all businesses that have been around for a long time that are needed. And they own a lot of equities as well. So it's kind of like a mutual fund. I think of it as a value mutual fund, just based on the type of businesses they own. And if you look at their return on equity, it yields about 12%. Longer term, which is solid, but it's not amazing. There's definitely better companies to own, uh, but you're not going to get the diversity or the strong capital allocation that you're going to get from them. So it depends on how much work you want to do. Your dad gave it to you. Are you active in learning and investing in the market? If you don't have the skills, the knowledge, the time to do it, then think of Berkshire as just another low-fee or no-fee mutual fund. So, it's fine. It's good. But you can do better. But it takes work. Now, let's touch on the mortgage market. And last year, companies like Bank of America were buying up tons of mortgages. And that is reversed in a big way so far this year. The 10 largest banks have shed about $133 billion of mortgages in the first nine months of the year. And $53 billion of that came in just the third quarter. Now, well, a lot of that has to do with mortgages maturing. So they're typically just not buying new ones. And a lot of them are now just holding the bonds that they hold or uh, the mortgages uh, that they that they typically will sell. Now they're just holding them to maturity because the value of those bonds have gone down. And that's what's kind of scaring the banks out of the mortgage market right now is they are stuck with losses. Bank of America itself has about $100 billion in losses from its mortgage portfolio. Not because they made bad loans, it's just duration risk. In July of last year, they had about $900 billion of these loans on its balance sheet. And they're actually trying to put more money to work. And last year in total, the 10 largest banks that own the most mortgage-backed securities increased their holdings by under, over $219 billion last year. So last year there were big buyers and what that did was shrink the spread between the tenure and mortgage rates. And typically that spread is somewhere around 200 basis points, but that's kind of blown out to closer to 300 basis points. Now, part of that is also the fact that the Fed is no longer buying bonds. It doubled its holdings from pre-pandemic to about two point seven trillion dollars of mortgage-backed securities, and that demand meant that the premium over Treasuries was was shrinking. As of the end of last year, the thirty-year mortgage was at three, and the ten-year was at about one and a half. So that spread had shrunk to about one and one hundred fifty basis points, which is lower than normal, about 50 basis points lower than normal. Now it's spread way out. Once again, up to 300 basis points higher. And so these are some of the knock-on effects of higher interest rates. It's not just the duration risk and their interest are going up across the board. It's the spread that's going up as well. And various things can affect that. And that's one of the reasons why the Fed, I think, took the pedal off the gas or the foot off the gas. There we go. And they saw what was happening in the mortgage market and thus the housing market. And they said, we don't need to be artificially depressing mortgage rates with housing prices going up so much. We need to stop that. We need to get a normal spread. Uh, And that has been compounded by the fact that the top 10 banks are pulling back as well. So we'll see if they step back in. I think over time they will, and that will shrink back to about 200 basis points. But that is a larger-than-expected drag on the housing market, the fact that the big banks aren't buying mortgages anymore. Now let's pivot back to the Vestock Voice Bank for a question that came in earlier from Arizona.
2: Hey, Stephen Justin. It is Art from Tucson. I'm calling about Centris Energy Corp, L-E-U, down 26% today. On earnings, I have a very small, about a quarter position. Wondering if I should pick up more for the long term or um, if it's time to get out of the stock. Thanks, and I'll listen on the podcast. All
1: right, this is Centris Energy. They supply low-enriched uranium for the commercial nuclear nuclear power plant market. And they were supposed to earn or They earned $9.75 last year. That's up from losing money in 2019, uh, $2.79. But earnings are expected to come back down to roughly $3 this year and be about flat next year as well. So you're not getting much earnings growth. And at $3 times or uh, three in earnings, you're talking about, let's call it a 13 P multiple, which, a little, which is a little high for my liking. I don't like the inconsistency of their business, the fact that, They've had many losses over the past decade or so. You know, it's one thing to have a loss during the pandemic or in one-off economic or sector-specific situations, but it's another to have that consistent loss and that consistent cash flow being negative. And you look at cash from operations, it's only 14 million. Trailing twelve months, its peak was only seventy-seven million, and we're at a five hundred and twenty-seven million-dollar valuation. Let's look at their debt levels. And not a whole lot of debt, so that's a positive there. Uh, so I, I just don't like I don't like this. I don't like the the earnings trends, and I don't like the inconsistency of the business longer term. So I would be moving on from LEU. That was Centrus Energy Corp. Now we're moving into steady pace to the end of the year and quickly we'll be moving into holiday season get busy with friends and family trips and holiday parties and it can be a challenge to put your financial future high in the priority list that's why now is a good time before that kind of kicks into gear to check in check in with me or Steve, and get a sense of whether your portfolio is suited for this economic environment, both short and long term. And how does it fit with your overall goals and your risk tolerance levels? Do you know that? Are you sure. Well, it always helps to get a second opinion. And if you want to do that, you can reach out and schedule a free portfolio review assessment via telephone or go to meeting at Investtalk.com or you can call our office at 557 5461 We'd love to speak to you for a short period of time. It only takes about 10 minutes to get a sense of where you're at, what your goals are, and try to get your your portfolio optimized. So I encourage you to do that. Now this is Invest Talk and we're going to play another listener question. But remember your input makes Invest Talk unique. So hang on.
2: Ah, uh, yeah, I have a question about a stock C3 AI, c three AI, cs and Charlie three AI, and also Confluent, trying to get a feel of what these stocks are gonna project to be. Thank you very
1: much. Well, as you would imagine, anything that is resembles AI. It's probably in the tech space, and you'd be right. Uh, they provide services to build enterprise scale AI applications for organizations. And AI is a lot of hype and and not a whole lot of substance. So the C3 AI, not something you want to own in this environment. They've never made money. You want to be invested in companies that have positive free cash flow, positive earnings. This is not one of them. So absolutely pass on AI. And Confluent is the exact same thing. Cloud-based platform for data infrastructure software designed to focus on data in motion, whatever that means. Never made money, negative free cash flow. Top-line growth, that's fantastic, but not, these are not type of companies you want to own. And this is how I know we're still a ways away from the bottom in the growth side of the market, the tech side of the market. I, on this show, and you can go and listen to the last three months, it's still mainly these type of companies. We're getting more energy names. We're getting a little bit more interest in the salt-of-the-earth companies as I like to say. But people are still wrapped up in the story stocks. And I don't know how many times I have to say it. I don't know how many stocks you have to look at that are down 70, 80% uh, and don't earn any money. Or how many do you have to look at to say, this is not a type of investment that is good in this environment. It's crazy to me. You know, I've been guiding you guys for two plus years on this shift. And still, there's not a whole lot of excitement. For industrial names, for basic materials, for energy, for financials. It's boring. But guess what? Boring in most markets works it's rare that the sexy exciting names that promise growth promise that they're going to be the next great disruptor within a particular industry it's rare that those names are the outperformers that's not the norm there's a reason value investing works better longer term now there are times Especially when capital is very cheap, where growth outperforms. You want to know when those times are? The 1920s and the 2010s, pretty much it. If you look back in history, the companies that do the best, the best investments longer term are the companies that allocate capital for the benefit of shareholders not because they're trying to disrupt an industry. There's a, uh, my, my girlfriend's a doctor and um, you know, she overreacts on, you know, symptoms. And there was one lesson that she, that she was taught during when she was in a in, uh, residency um, is that in, in, in the hospital you see crazy cases and you take those symptoms. You think every time there's that symptom there, it's this crazy outcome. But in reality, you don't see, if you're working in a hospital, you don't see the similar symptoms that are just kind of your run-of-the-mill type of short-term sickness. And the analogy is unicorns and horses. In the hospital, you see unicorns. But in the real world, you see horses. And same with the stock market. Talking about the unicorns, those are rarities, the Apple, the Amazon. The Googles, the Facebooks of the world, those are the unicorns, the real unicorns. But the real good businesses are the horses, and those are the ones you want to invest in. Now we're heading to a break, so give me a call at 888 99 Chart.
2: You are listening to Invest Talk. Every Friday on the program and the podcast, Steve Peasley shares highlights from the newest edition of the KPP Premium Newsletter. Listen Fridays to Invest Talk. And now, Steve and Justin welcome your calls and questions. 888 99 Chart. Hi, this is Steve calling from San Diego. Thanks for the program. I am calling about Ticker FRG Franchise Group. I opened a small position in this a couple months ago, and basically thinking that was a big mistake. And I'm, I'm just well, I wanted to confirm that uh, you would have the same opinion. I did with their earnings provisions, I think they're going to have a hard time managing their debt. Certainly going to cut their dividend. Just wanted to see if you agree. Thank you, and thanks for the show. Love it. Bye.
1: I absolutely agree. You're probably you're probably tied into that, or uh, you're probably attracted to it because of that 10% dividend yield. But as you said, they have a lot of debt on their balance sheets—about uh, billion and a half, a little more than that, net debt—and it's a market cap of a little under a billion. And earnings are expected to come down from three dollars, nearly four dollars a share last year, to three twenty this year, and two seventy-eight next year. And those estimates are being downgraded even more by analysts. And pre-pandemic, they're only earning forty-four cents a share. So I do not see them maintaining this dividend. Uh, The chart is terrible. Uh, Now for everyone else, what they do is they own Liberty Tax, tax preparation service company. Uh, And so it's good business, but clearly longer term, this doesn't have the the earnings power to sustain that dividend. And it's long-term return on equity has been pretty meager. Median over the last five years is 5%. not great. So I would definitely be selling Franchise Group FRG. Now, lastly, let's touch on HELOCs. And a lot of people are turning to home equity line of credits in lieu of refinancing, especially when they don't want to refinance their mortgage at 3% when and tap into their equity when they're going to refinance at 6 or 7%. Why not just take a small HELOC out? Because you can borrow up to 85% in total between your normal mortgage and HELOC of of the home value. And Americans are starting to do that. They took out $66 billion in HELOCs in the second quarter, a 40% increase from a year ago. And the largest amount in almost three years. And for, once again, good reason. The average HELOC rate is 7.7%. The average credit card rate is 19% and personal loan rate is about 10.6%. Now they can provide a nice financial safety net for some people, but if you don't use them correctly, you could lose your home. And they're different than your typical mortgage because they're floating rate. They're not fixed rate like a typical 30 year fixed mortgage. Now some banks are pulling back from the HELOC market. Bank of America offers them, but Wells Fargo and J.P. Morgan haven't resumed issuing them since the pandemic. Citigroup says they're going to start to offer them again next year. So kind of a mixed bag from large banks. Now, for example, if you had a home worth say four hundred thousand and the mortgage was two hundred fifty thousand, you could borrow about ninety grand against uh, on any HELOC. And once again, they're variable. So if it should continue to go up, then the cost to carry them goes up as well. And depending on the lender, the fees to set them up can be pretty high, between 2 and 5% of the total credit line. Now, the good thing is the interest on them are tax deductible, but only if you use the HELOC to pay for home renovations or improvements. And you can de- deduct up to interest on $750,000 of residential debt. So a lot of people are using these to renovate as opposed to relocate. And in some ways that's smart, but you don't wanna be carrying these long-term. Probably want to only have a HELOC balance for two years max. And for some people, HELOCs aren't the best option. Probably shouldn't use them for discretionary expenses like going on a vacation or planning a wedding. Probably not a good idea. And another thing that people have started to do especially last year, seeing you know mortgage rates at 3%, they were borrowing money to invest in the stock market. Well, what's happened now is their carrying costs have doubled because the interest rates have gone up dramatically and the market's dipped. So you can see how that can cut both ways and put people in a bad way. Uh, and so that's a quick primer on key locks and when to use them and when not to. Now, I'm Justin Klein. This completes be another Best Talk program. Steve Peasley and I thank you for listening. And we encourage you to tell your friends and family about our free podcast downloads, which you can find anytime at iTunes, Spotify, or Google Play, and be sure to rate and review. Now we have surpassed the 47 million download mark, thanks to you, and we appreciate that. Independent thinking, shared success. This invest talk, good night.
0: Invest talk is a trademark of KPP Financial, because of the nature of the interactive dialogue inherent in the format of this program. For more information regarding KPP's investment advisors, call 1-800-557-5461. Steve Peasley is president and Justin Klein is chief executive officer of Klein, Pavlis, and Peasley Financial.